I don't have enough adjectives to heap honour onto the people and to the others in this place. I feel amazingly blessed. I cannot believe how God has loved me. If you look at this, you're looking at something that God has deeply loved, deeply cared for. I feel so blessed. Can you hear me all right? It's bound to get better. I wonder if you'd say this with me. It's always dangerous to repeat something that you haven't heard first. (laughs) Trust me, you'll agree with this. God leads us through conflict... To make us strong in conflict. conflict. Do you believe that? (laughs) It should get you a bit depressed. (laughs) I've written a couple of books. They've all come out of deep conflict. There's a workshop with every book. Came out of deep conflict. In fact... I'm getting so used to writing books, I thought I might write the Bible. (laughs) Just a translation. I've got my first verse already. I thought I might run it past you to see if I should get a second one. Here it is. The the verse that I've taken it from is somewhere in the Bible and it says, (laughs) that's my knowledge of the word, somewhere in the word, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Which bit of that did you hear? Most people, most people only hear in the second bit. I'm not a fan of the first bit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So I'm thinking of doing up a sportsman's uh, tool. Can you grab my microphone? Because every now and again, I'm going to have to get you to repeat a word. Here it is. The coach afflicts his players with heavy weights and drives them to exhaustion. 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 And he gets them to the grand final. Come up and read this for me. We should have got a better response from that. Now, listen really intently now, okay? The coach afflicts his players with heavy weights and drives them to exhaustion, but he gets them to the grand final. (laughs) 
I'm not quite sure what to call this message, but I'd probably call it Decisive Battles. I'm in one at the minute. (laughs) And I'm on a collision with Breakthrough. And there are some times you've got to take conflict to bed. Other times you've got to bring it to church. And maybe after that you can take it to the hospital. I don't mind. But we're on a conflict, a collision course with breakthrough. Can you bring that first verse up for me, please, Min? I thought you'd gone to sleep on the desk there. Oh, you can't read it. Tula, can you read that verse? The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will only be above, and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today, to observe them carefully. How many people are interested in being the head and not the tail? Only above and not beneath. I'm interested in getting there but I'm aware that the Lord leads us through many conflicts to make us strong in conflict. In the Second World War, there were decisive battles. When Germany rolled through Poland and the other nations, they capitulated easily and quickly. And Hitler and his Axis forces were convinced that they would just roll their army through the whole of the world. Until Tobruk and Australia's 9th Division. And when the Battle of Tobruk in northern Africa occurred when that happened for the very first time the Germans suffered a defeat for the very first time in the war and those that thought they would never be defeated now had a doubt in their mind as to whether they would win the war. One small doubt. Then on the Eastern Front, we had the battles of Stalingrad, say that word for me, Stalingrad, and Moscow. Along 600 kilometres, there was a counter-offensive Offensive. Counter-offensive. And the German army was forced back. And bit by bit, the army began, and the hands on the army began to think, wait a minute, we haven't got this all our own way. In the Battle of Minway, oh my voice, Midway, the Japanese tried 
water. Ah. To ambush the US fleet. But it turned out the other way. And four Japanese aircraft carriers were sunk. (coughs) Then in the North Atlantic, in 1943, in two months, Germany lost 45 U-boats. I apologise for my voice. I think I'm in the last time I do, but I wish I could talk better for you. I'm here because I'm fighting. And believe I've got something for you. Thank you. The effect on Germany morale was devastating. Devastating. And as the war progressed, the aggressor finally got the idea that they were not going to win. You get led into conflict and become strong. Strong. In conflict. When Jesus was water baptised, the Spirit of God led him into conflict with the kingdom of darkness. Darkness. They say poor Jesus attacked by the devil for 40 days. I say poor devil. Fancy being locked up with Jesus in the wilderness, fasting and praying for 40 days. 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 It sounds like what a horse does. Days. <laughs> I don't know whether any of us know how severe that conflict was. The devil gave Jesus his best shot. He tried to take him out right at the beginning. That was as good as he can do. I mean, when you read through his life... You see Jesus come into conflict with legion. This brute of a devil. You read the account. Everybody was frightened of him. But when Jesus came, he started begging. He started pleading. Jesus, Jesus, why? Because back there in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was putting it 
into the hand of the devil and every demon that they will never win. Sorry. I don't know why I'm shouting. I've got the microphone. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep going. I'm just happy I can shout. <laughs> can you believe it? This demon who pretends to be many because they're liars, there's probably only one little one, says, oh, send me into the pings, send me into the pings, send me into the pings. And then they're so confused and so upset and so messed up and so panicking that they run down the hill and down in the Sea of Galilee. I've got to say, preaching here this morning is a lot of fun. You should see your faces. Everybody's listening. Some women are even asking their husbands, what did he just say? My testimony is that God has made me strong for conflict by bringing me through conflict. Proverbs 24.10, it's not on the... It's not there, Min. It says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. I'm going to say this. If you're failing under pressure, it's okay. That's not a criticism. That's a description. Did you see that? Of course you're weak in your first conflict. Of course you're weak when you're out of your depth. Of course you feel, my God, what is happening to me? Of course you do. But God's taken you into that to make you strong through it. Pardon me. It's good when you sniff here, everybody hears it. Who knew that... Two weeks before my first wife and I went to pioneer a church, who knew that we would give birth to a daughter that had a life-threatening condition? You say, is that a good time to go into ministry? Shouldn't you get rid of those ideas and attend to your sick daughter? I can't think of a better time to go into ministry. 
we've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been believing, we had a vision to save the world. There wasn't a time, a better time, to take that step of faith, sorry, to go into ministry and to have a sick daughter. And we didn't know that God would leave. At the very start of our ministry, of our purpose, God would afflict us with a daughter with a life-threatening disease. <clears throat> he led us into it to make us strong. There are people here that need to hear this today and I'm doing my level best to say it. In 2000, my first wife was diagnosed with melanoma. We had other conflicts and honestly, I can stand here today and tell you of every victory, if I can remember them, because there's been thousands of them. And it, I, if you ask me what I love, the victory or being made strong in the conflict, it's being made strong. One morning, my first wife and I woke up. I didn't know it. She'd been awake all night waiting for me to wake up. She thought, well, he prophesies, so I'll get him to prophesy. I didn't know it, but she had only one of those things, lymph nodes swollen in her neck, and she had a colourless. <laughs> oh, a colourless. Not even Tulin can work it out. I think you're looking for the word colourless. <laughs> yes. Melanoma on top of the hand. The doctors missed it. Now she had grade four melanoma. She asked me to prophesy over her. I prophesied victory. I prophesied a future. You know, it's a bit like that verse that says the Lord knew it, but he hid it. But he hid it. From me. From me. Three years later, she passed away. And in that three-year period, I got weaker and weaker. At the start, we were strong. And confess the word. And we had other people pray for us. That was just me helping me. <laughs> and as those years went by, I've got to say, my testimony in that instance was not Psalm 84. Psalm 84 verse 10 says they go from... They go from strength to strength. Yeah. I went from 
weakness to weakness. She got so frail, I would pick her up out of bed uh, and carry her to our lounge room. I got the office chair. It had wheels on it. And I pushed her around the house. The only time in the last year I could play was when David MacDonald and Trish would come to my house and they would come in, you know, David think, sure? Well, that's there for a reason. Holy Spirit! Oh, man! And when he'd play, it's like I'd have to slipstream. Slipstream. Behind his prayer to find the presence of God. Weak as a kitten. But look at me now. You know, I wanted to call this message Decisive Battles, but I've really decided to call it Is He Dead Yet? Say that again. Is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? Because through all of these conflicts, I can see the Father and Jesus. The Father's on the throne and he looks over and says, Jesus, is he dead yet? (laughs) Jesus has a little look and he says, no, he's not dead yet. You know, the, the mark of being dead is that you can never go back. And so when Jesus said, no, he's not dead yet, the father said, well, let's get rid of all of his money. I felt like Job. My life being orchestrated from a heavenly place. And so I had to sell my family home because I'd foolishly invested in a Ponzi scheme. And then the father looks to Jesus and he says, Is he dead yet? (laughs) And Jesus looks back and says, Yeah. I think he's dead now. <laughs> Listen, people look at me now and, and I'm not boasting, but they ask people who knew me before, they say to me, oh, you've really reinvented yourself. Did you get that word? God's not into reinventions. Somebody said to me, it's like you've been deconstructed, deconstructed. and 
reconstructed. And God's not into reconstruction. <laughs> oh no. God's into death and resurrection. Three thoughts, men. Tula, can you read them out? Yeah. When they come up, please. Yes, when they come up. Yes. Next one, then. <laughs> the lights have gone out. <laughs> Tula, come on up here. Oh, I can see them better. Okay, yeah. read away. God is more concerned with our destiny than he is with our happiness. Our greatest victories are the result of the life and death battles God brings to us. Something or someone has to die if they are to experience resurrection life. Anybody interested in resurrection life? You will have to die. I believe God, for many of us here, it's a word for so many people. And so many of you giants have experienced this and you knew it was the truth before I got up here to preach it. And it's just to help us get this. You know, God does not play with our lives. He is deadly serious about doing whatever he has to do in you and me to save somebody else on our journey. To influence and affect and bring the anointing so powerfully wherever we go. I can remember during those three years there were times when I wept like a baby. There were times when I'd ring David, my friend, and I couldn't speak because I was so choked up. And he would just pray for me. All at sea in my conflict... And then you get taken through that. And back on the 2nd of June, I had a heart attack. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> I said to Tula, we're on our way to church. And I said, I think you'd better take me to the emergency uh, section at the hospital. She said, which one will we go to? And I I hate queues. So I said, take me to that one. There's nobody there. (laughs) We chose the hospital that had the shortest queues. Can you get what I'm saying? (laughs) All I'm saying is this. I was so unconcerned about having a heart attack. There was not a moment of problem. There was no panic. There was nothing. 
And so we went to that hospital. And then they said, oh, no, we don't do harm things on the weekend. <laughs> That's why there were no cunes. <laughs> so I said, what do you do? <laughs> they said, oh, ingrown toenails. Oh. They said, we'd better get you an ambulance and take you to the hospital that does do heart attacks. And so they gave me a shot of morphine. I really liked that. (laughs) And and, and on the way over in the ambulance, like Tula, she was really concerned until she knew we were going to get a ride in the ambulance with the siren going. (laughs) She stopped worrying too. (laughs) And then on the way over, the paramedic said to me, how's the pain? So I said, oh, it's at least 11 out of 10. (laughs) I've got to really like the morphine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we got to Nepean Hospital and by that time the weekend team had arrived and within 20 minutes I had three stents in my heart I just call it corrective surgery say that word I just call it corrective surgery yeah <laughs> setting me up for the next 20 years When I compare what happened back there with my first wife and I compare what happened this year. I mean, last year, Tillman was diagnosed with lung cancer. It's not that you're not going to go through conflict. God's going to lead you in to conflict to make you strong as a result of conflict. I know it's not the message you want them to hear, but it's the message you need to hear. He's not going to leave you as a, as a child or a, an adolescent He's going to grow you up to be a man and a woman of God. (coughs) And if you're feeling weak, I'm here as a poppy. I'm a dad and a poppy. I'm here to say, that's okay. Trust God. He's going to get you through that. And in the process, he's going to make you strong. 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 (laughs) Song. Sounds like something Willie Nelson would write. Song. Next line, men. 
eternal. God's plan is not just to weaken us, it is to finish us off so we can be raised with resurrection life. God is not into turning over a new leaf, reinvention or deconstruction and reconstruction. He specializes in death and resurrection. You know, at the end of the day, this is what you want. By the end of our life, I'm coming to a close. By the end of our life, you need to have your name known in the kingdom of darkness. God will see to it. If you'll keep surrendering, he'll keep working. So then at the end of your life, you will hear the devil say, Jesus I know, Paul I know, David I know, Rita I know, Peter and Lindsay I know, John and Kay I know, Mike I know, Frank and Lorraine, Min, Richard, I know all of them. Don't mess with them. Because every time you mess with them, they're going to beat you and you're going to lose. Some of you, I know, you know, not all of you, but some of you are in that place where you're saying, even with your funny voice, would you pray for me today? You know, through this message, through any anointed message, the Holy Spirit will be talking to you. And my question to you is, what has he been saying to you? what's occurred to you it'll be something good because preachers don't preach to be heard they preach so that the Holy Spirit can be heard and he'll have been talking to you in that magnificent worship in the announcement in, in communion, in the offering. It's an environment where our hearts open up and the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you today? If you've been doing it tough and you keep fighting, you'll get strong. <laughs> 